0: And at this time, I would like to invite our children to come forward for children's time, please. What's up, Kobe? I'm see. I'm learning the names. Like, yes, Bennett, Margaret, Dylan. I need to learn your name. What's your name, sweet love? Hi, Kaylin. Hey, Casey. Wesley. See, I feel like Caroline now. I'm mean, Caroline now. <laughs> I'm learning the. Name. Hello. Good morning, everyone. We got Cooper. Well, will you give me some of that energy Monday? You promised to be here at 830 to give me that energy because I need it. This morning, Pastor Caroline is going to talk about humility in a very, very interesting and fresh new way. But before we hear her this morning, I need to know, well, not need to know, I would like to invite you to share your understanding of the word humble. Have y'all heard that word in school before? So what is your understanding? For those who have heard it, what is your understanding of that word? Yes, sir. Very good. To not brag and be kind Kind is one way we can be humble. Any other thoughts? You got one, Kobe? Oh, so humility could be showing kindness even though someone is not nice. Is there anybody else? Humility is. Yes, ma'am. Mm hmm. Humiliated. And it, it takes that entitlement down a little bit, doesn't it? So humiliation it can cause humility, huh? So what about sharing? Do you think that that's the so characteristics of, of humility being able to share? You think so? You do, Casey? Well, I'm going to share a definition of humility from... My favorite theologian, has anybody heard of a man named C.S. Lewis? Well, the big kids here have. I can guarantee that. But I grew up reading his books and learning a lot about Jesus through my favorite book ever, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But his definition of humility is pretty interesting. This is what he says. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. What does that mean? Yes, ma'am. Of yes, humility is thinking of others. Any other thoughts? Um, um, like to um, not just like not to be self-centered. Exactly. So how can we? So how can we do that? Be Christ-centered, maybe? You think? I think so too. So the Bible talks about humility a lot, and when I did my research, do you know it's like like hundreds of passages in the Bible talking about humility. But the one that I like the best comes from the fourth chapter of James, and it says, Humble yourself before the Lord and you will be exalted. So I was like, okay, what does that mean? So I looked up what exalted was in Greek, and it's the word hypose. Can y'all repeat that after me? Hypose. Okay, big kids, can you say it too? Hypose. Hippose. Hippose. Okay, this word means to be transformed and have your spirit raised by the blessing of salvation. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, so what if I added that definition of exalt to the verse that I just read, James? Do you think it might change the meaning of it a little bit? We're going to see because I'm going to read it and then we're going to pray. So if we add that definition of the word, if we say humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will raise your spirit by the blessing of salvation. Now, does that change the definition? Changes it a lot, doesn't it? So what can you guys do to be humble, effective leaders in school? We've talked about it. Yes, sir. Um,
1: to give to charity?
0: Yes. Anybody else?
1: Yes,
0: ma'am. Y'all are so awesome. And y'all are giving excellent in donate clothes. Donate clothes that do not fit you. Donate clothes that do not fit you, whether they're too big or too little, give them away. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So we're, we're saying that humility is sharing. Is that the consensus of the group? I think so, too. So in that precious and wonderful word, let's hold hands and pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the gift of humility. Be with us, Lord. So that we can do justice. Love kindness and walk humbly with you. Amen. Okay, I got bookmarks for everybody to remind you of the powerful, wonderful message we're about to hear from Pastor Caroline this morning, and I bless you and I hope that each and every one of you have an awesome week this week. Blessings to you all. Amen.
1: We turn now to the Gospel of Matthew for a scripture about children. We're in the 18th chapter, beginning with the first verse. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked them, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. May we pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us this day. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So I have a question for you. Do any of you know any humble children? I know smart children. I know loving children, caring children, shy children, quiet children. But even then, once you get to know them, Watch what I can do. Look what I made. Can I have that? Please? But I want it. Why can't we get it? Why don't I get to pick? How come they always get to pick? What about me? I love kids. (laughs) But even in this room, if we did that exercise again that we have done before about tell me about children. Oh, you would list so many wonderful things and joyful things. And you would list real things, because you know kids. But never once have I seen the word humble appear on that list. And so we read this passage in Matthew, and I go, "Um, Jesus, do you know any kids? (laughs) Humble like a child. I mean, that's just not one of those things that I understand to be an innate quality of children, And and it makes sense developmentally. I mean, when we're born and we can't articulate anything, what do we do? We wail and we cry because somebody else, we are dependent upon them to take care of us. And then eventually we begin to articulate our needs and wants. And then eventually we get it up here that we're supposed to share and we're supposed to, supposed to, supposed to. And then we hope and pray that someday... It reaches here as we grow. But as children, we're just not there yet. We're just not. So this passage can be hard to grasp. What exactly is it that we are supposed to reclaim that we had in childhood that we have lost when we don't even think children are like that now? So let's go back and look at the question. What was the question the disciples came to Jesus with? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And in Matthew, again and again, what Jesus is doing with the disciples is teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. Because where they live is the kingdom of Rome. And they know that kingdom. They know all about Rome. And so let's see what it might look like to be humble as compared to status in the empire, the kingdom of Rome. In Rome, only the elite few young men had any kind of status. What have you heard about children in the biblical world? They're down here, right? Yeah. Children in the Roman kingdom uh, were disposable literally disposable child is born you set them on the ground the midwife does and if the father chooses picks the child up and they're welcomed into the home if not there are designated spots in the city where they can leave the child Out, exposed, and people know that they can come and claim that child for slavery. Male, female, and that's their entire existence. Or perhaps they're just left on the doorstep. They're disposable. It's heartbreaking. But that's the world that they know. That is the world of children in the kingdom of Rome. As far as status is concerned, it's young men, old men. I'm somehow weirdly pleasantly surprised that women are actually third on the list. Followed by slaves. Followed by animals and livestock. And then children. That's the rank in the Roman world. So for Jesus to come and take a child and put a child in the midst of them. And say, whenever you become humble like this child, it really doesn't have a whole lot, if anything, to do with the innate qualities of childhood and being childlike. It has a whole lot to do with where is your worth? What does, where, where does your status come from? Are you still out there looking at Rome and its power and its prestige and the elite and their pecking order? Or does your worth and your status for yourself and for those around you come from your identity as a child of God in the kingdom of heaven? Two very different kingdoms the kingdom of Rome and the kingdom of heaven. And we would like to say that we're really far from that kingdom of Rome today, that we are very enlightened. But the truth is, that's part of our heritage and our history as well. This is part of our roots that we come from. We have the Greco-Roman world that says, children are the lowest of the low. And in contrast with that, what Jesus would have been raised with is our scriptures And in the Proverbs and in the Psalms and in Deuteronomy and again and again, what the scriptures say is that children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. But this tradition was one tiny group of people in a great, big, mean Roman Empire. And it was a small voice and a hard one to stay focused on and to hear. And then other voices join the crowd. We have a philosophy. I wonder if any of our educators go way back to your philosophy education classes and remember what Plato had to say about children. Well, if your mind is a blank, you're pretty close. Plato said that children are empty slates. Nothing, nada. There's not a thing there. And our job as educated, wise, enlightened adults is to fill that slate. To pour into those empty vessels because there's not a thing there. Again, have they actually been around children? Because what we claim and what we know is that children are born with this innate spirituality, with their gifts and with their personalities. And sure, there's culture and nurture and world that gets layered on top of that. But to say that there's nothing... Wow. Kind of goes with, with children being disposable, with not being fully formed adults. So your only real worth comes when you become of age and have economic significance in the world. So we've got philosophy in there. Oh, and theology hasn't done much better. Along comes St. Augustine. Bless his heart. About 300 A.D., And he, for the first time in our history, articulates the theology of original sin. Did you know that in the Jewish tradition, there is no doctrine of original sin? Jesus would not have grown up with such a thought in his mind. Sin, yes. Brokenness, yes. But original sin, the idea that just merely because we exist and are born and created that we are inherently messed up. That we that strikes against us from the beginning? That didn't exist. But here we are. Western Christianity, I've learned, is the only tradition that has that. Eastern Christianity does not. Our Jewish brothers and sisters do not. I don't think our Muslim brothers and sisters do. Mm-mm, just us. Aren't we lucky? Bless our hearts. And so, do we, do we have the slide with the tree on it? I'm not sure if we do. There we are. So where does that leave us? There's our roots. We got our Greco-Roman. They're worthless till they're adults. We have our blessing out there on the side, our empty slates, our original sin, and all that gets tangled together. And that leaves us, what do we do with the kids? We're not really sure what to do with them. Because which one of these do we really claim and live out of? I mean, it's one thing to say and say and say you're a blessing, but what are our actions? What do we do? What do we as the church do with children? So we've tried a few things based on this. Do we have the one with the three different models on it? There we go. So I'm going to talk you through a couple of things that we have tried based on this. Well, if children are just not fully formed adults... And if they don't really have a spirituality and a worth until they are adults, then they're going to be, we're going to do that. Children is an empty slate there over on the left. Yeah, there's God, the heart way up high. The child is our little circle on the bottom. And we as the adults, the great, big, mature, fully formed Christians, right? It is our job to distill all this wisdom and spirituality from God because we are capable of that because we're adults. We are grown up. And then we are going to impart that to the children, the empty slates, as they are ready. Because they're empty slates. They're not really ready for a direct experience with God. They're not capable of that yet, right? Well, maybe, maybe though, we need to do another step first. So we're going to do that top uh, right one. That little... Oh, no, we can go back. Here we go. Children is sinful. Well, if we're going to fill up these empty slates and they're sinful... Well, first, we better clean them up. We got to get rid of that sin and make them pure before they can experience God and God's goodness and grace and love and mercy. So we as adults have to drive that sin out of them, save those little souls. And then, then maybe we as adults will still distill our knowledge, our faith. And we as fully formed adults can impart that to the children. Or. And in my experience, this is what happens most often today when we do get confused from our roots, is that bottom one. And that's at heart, with all those lovely adults hanging out with God, becoming disciples, and we're gonna leave the children over there until they're ready. Until they're ready to sit down and be quiet and act like grown ups, even though they're seven, and they're growing. And when they're ready to be adults like us, then we'll leave them over. We would like to think that this isn't what we do at all. And in some places, we've done really well. But even the church still gets this confused. Even the church still gets this confused. So what do we do instead? What do we do instead? Now we can go to that last one. What if instead... We set that child in the midst of us. That child who is a blessing. That child who, true to the Greco Roman world, has, cannot bring any status to us. They're not going to increase our wealth. And yet, their presence with us is a blessing. And so we have us, and we have the children, and we have God's presence there all together as one family of God. And in that that heart right there in the middle, there we experience the fullness of God's love because we are all there together, all of God's family, all of God's children, young, old, in between, all of us there together. All right. Thank you, Mark. I'm finished with those. Um, So what does that mean for us now? We understand a little bit more about children. What does that mean for us now? So I want to offer a couple of possibilities. One of them pretty practical. And that is how do we live out that last model where children and adults and God's presence are all invited to be together, to be transformative To say, yes, the kingdom of God is in us and among us and things are growing and changing and lives are being transformed. Well, it's an old idea we're going to make new again. And it's really a a practical invitation to you. We're going to have a committee. Aren't you excited? I'm not even kidding. I want to know which of you, Ann Dickner... Josh Medlock. Oh, we got some pop. Oh, I want to know which of you are passionate about our discipleship, about us growing as Christians, about our discipleship from cradle to grave and how we connect that, how that is a flow and how we as First United Methodist Church Garland can articulate that, you know, not even the United Methodist Church has figured this out yet. And it's, it boggles my mind. I went to um, a training. I went to be trained and to learn. About a year ago in September, people from Nashville, from the United Methodist Church, came to Dallas. And I went to this meeting with a room full of pastors, and well, mostly pastors, Christian educators, and, and people who do adult ministries in their church and things like that. And they had this wonderful PowerPoint. It was a whole day long about discipleship. And I sat there all morning and looked at those screens and flipped through my folder, there was not a single child or youth referenced anywhere. Discipleship, as they were bringing it, started when you were an adult. I went, what? I was getting really worked up about this. I went and talked to the speaker during our break, and I said, so we're talking about this path of discipleship in the church. There are no children or youth in your presentation. And his jaw kind of dropped, and his eyes got wide. He had never noticed. How do you not notice that the children are shoved over there against the wall until they're grown ups and then they can start their discipleship? That's just not right. And I don't think probably since the do- days of Joy Anderson here way back has our church really had a comprehensive picture of what it means to be discipled in the faith from cradle to grave. We work so hard on linking children's ministry to youth ministry. And we work really hard on linking youth ministry to adult ministry. And then with your adults, I, I don't know what you do. I think you're just kind of out there on your own. <laughs> and we hope you come to worship in Sunday school and find a good mission to plug into. But, but what is the path? How are we growing in our discipleship and living out this kingdom of heaven that we hope to be a part of? I want us to do that. I want us to gather in a room and meet and pray and study and work this out so that we can claim it and share it and use it and grow from it. All right? We're going to do it. And then for you and me today to become humble as children, where do you and I claim our worth and our status? And I think it's easy in this room, in this place, to say, I remember I'm a child of God. I remember these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. But at the end of the day, each of your days, how are we spending our time? What choices are we making that would reflect that our status is not competing with the elite of Rome? Our status is welcoming in the truest sense those who cannot raise our own status but are our brothers and sisters and children in the kingdom of God. Sometimes I think we are still up here scrambling and clamoring and reaching and trying to get up there to be the greatest in the kingdom of Rome. And sometimes... I think we're down here going, oh, but I'm not worthy. I'm not even worthy. And really, probably most of us have a little bit of both. And here is Jesus reminding us to welcome, to welcome the child, to be humble, to be humble, To remember that our status doesn't have anything to do with posturing and reaching and scrambling and climbing. That our humbleness, our humility has everything to do with claiming once again that we are God's children in the kingdom of heaven. And that we are here with God and one another and the children and the adults all there together seeking transformation. To love justice to seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. Amen.